Well, I'm going to uh, get a, f- a picture up behind me, and uh, this picture, which you can see, is a picture of the DVD shop, Civic Video, in Albany, where my parents live. My parents are in Albany, we're in Perth, and we often go on holidays down in Albany, where it's uh, cheap slash free to stay with them, and lovely to see my beautiful parents and have that time with their babysitting skills, etc. Uh, but mum and dad do not have Netflix, and so when we go down to Albany, we find ourselves in Civic Video... Uh, getting our little package of weekly DVDs that are going to get us through uh, the week. And every time I'm at Civic Video in Albany, I have the same thought experiment. I think to myself, what are the staff meetings like here? And I, I don't mean the, you know, the weekly staff meeting about why is there, who left their milk in the fridge and why is there a tea bag on, on the sink. I mean the kind of quarterly vision casting staff meetings. What's it like at Civic Video? Uh, The blue sky, the kind of let's dream big guys, let's move forward. (laughs) One thought experiment is that maybe the guy is just full of boundless optimism. Maybe the guy at Civic Video, he's reading good to great, he's reading, uh, you know, zero to one, he's reading the five dysfunctions of the team, and he's just thinking, guys, we can can work this out. And, you know... (laughs) The stump speech is, you know, we, we guys, we've had tough years, but we, we've got the right people on the bus, and, and we're aligning, and the vision is becoming clear, and the communication is to the point of redundancy, so we're getting there, and people are starting to hear the message, and I think our best days are in front of us. Could be that. The, the one I think of, which I think is the, the, the more tragic possibility is that he's misreading the data. Because here's the thing, uh, Albany used to have 10 DVD stores, and now it's got three. And the problem with that kind of rapid decline is that if you're not paying attention to what's going on, you could be looking at your numbers actually going up year after year because the DVD shops are closing and, and you're one of the very few left that does it. And so if he's not, you know, he's not thinking clearly, he's going to be looking and thinking, guys, we are in clover. <laughs> like this, the, I don't know what's happening, I don't know where these people are coming from, but every year there's just more and more. And the tragic possibility is that perhaps he doesn't realise that actually those little bumps of growth are actually the kind of portent of his ultimate demise. And so I think the third one is most likely that there's a fair bit of sober reality at Civic Video in Albany <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that at the staff meetings they're saying, guys, we're this is not going to go on too much longer uh, and let's make sure we're out of debt as much as we can be and let's see if we can uh, shift this stuff and move on. (laughs) Which brings me to Christianity in Australia. (laughs) So I want to ask with you in the intimacy of this space, what is the actual situation of Christianity and of the churches in Australia? What actually is, if you kind of step back and think, well, you know, let's, let's not focus on this area, let's not misread uh, the data, let's, let's think deeply, let's face reality. What, what is the situation? That's been the project that I've been uh, immersed in in the last little while. Because here's the thing, as a friend of mine, Tim Adney, who wrote an article from which I stole the DVD illustration, though that really is Albany, we really do go there. Uh, Tim Adney says uh, in this article that every action in the present embeds a hypothesis about the future. 
Every action in the present embeds a hypothesis about the future, and that's true whether you're at Civic Video or whether you're planting a church, and so I want to think about whether our hypothesis uh, has any grounds. And just like you and like Donald Trump, I'm worried about fake news. I'm worried that there's messages in my head and in your head and in our head that maybe don't actually bear out with the data that we have about the situation that we face in Australia. And I think in particular in this room, because I'm like a, a, a chronic optimist uh, to the point of insanity, and I think church planters are on average more optimistic than they probably ought to be. And so I want to particularly speak in you and me, potentially overly optimistic. Let's think about this together in the time that we've got. In fact, as a slight aside, you know, as I've done this kind of research into preparing for uh, for this, there are two people that are most likely to exaggerate the rate of religious decline. And can you guess who they are? In, in Australia, so historians. You live in a country where your secular historians have served you very poorly in telling the history of our country when it comes to the role of Christianity in our country. Just to the point of outrageousness, the story that you get radically, empirically, to a crazy degree, undervalues the incredible role that Christianity, Christian thought and the Christian churches have had in this country. It's just not true and your secular historians have served you poorly in that way, blind to those realities... The other group that are very likely to overclaim religious decline are Christian leaders. Uh, so it turns out a guy called uh, Sam Brooke Taylor in the, United, uh, in the United Kingdom and uh, uh, Hugh Chilton and others here have done the research and seen that actually uh, Christian leaders tend to overclaim decline. Uh, and I think it's kind of the classic uh, Baptist and bootleggers problem. You know, in the, uh, the Prohibition, the two people that wanted uh, alcohol banned, Baptists, so you didn't drink, and bootleggers, so they could make money out of it. It's a bit like that here. So anyway, I want to pull you together and let's think about this, about what the actual situation is in Australia. You and I live in a secular and secularising age. That is probably the most captain obvious thing anyone will say to you at this conference, but I want to pause and just add to that that it's true, that that is actually, you do actually live in a secular age and it is a secularising moment. In the Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo says to uh, Gandalf, I wish this hadn't happened in my time, and Gandalf replies, we don't get to choose our times. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that was given us. And brothers and sisters, the time that was given you was a secular age. And it just seems so obvious, but that's not always true. The church was planted into a pagan age. The Reformation happened in an age of high Catholicism. Uh, the revivals happened at the time of the Enlightenment. Uh, it, is, it, it is not always true that you're always battling secularisation, but you are. At this moment, in this time, and that'll be important again at the end. What I want to do in the tiny bit of time I've got left is to give you five things that I think are true, because we're trying to avoid fake news. One thing that I think might be true, and then we're going to pull it together. Five things that are true, one thing that I think might be true. Firstly, a secularising age, the first thing I want to say is it's for real. This is not a drill. This is not a dress rehearsal. It is actually happening when you uh, move away from intuitions and look at the data. Uh, Church attendance, uh, personal belief, the role of religion in public life and so on. There is no question that that has been a feature of the last 200 years or so of Federation in Australia. 
1901, you have 95% of Australians claiming to be Christian and a, and a pretty good majority getting to church on a not casual basis. And now we're in a situation where we've got 61% at the last census identifying as Christian, 15% who get to church sometimes, and 7% who get to church regularly. And as best we can tell, that, that decline is continuing now. So the McCrindle uh, Faith and Belief Survey has that figure of 61% who claim they're Christian down from 2011 to 2017 to 59%. So even in that kind of short period of time, uh, we've seen further decline. The trend is not toward the new age. Masses of people are not converting to Islam. Alternative religions are not doing well. Uh, at the moment, we do, in fact, live in a secular age. So firstly, it, it's, it's true. turns out it's true. But secondly, I want to say this, it's complicated. So the, the numbers, the, the, those truths are kind of beyond dispute, but those numbers and those trends are a bit more complicated than the story I just told bear out. So for example, church attendance has gone down and rates of personal belief have gone down, but religion and politics went up. So in Hansard, in the, in, the, uh, in the Commonwealth government, there was more mention of God, and in the kind of Howard to Rudd era, God was more present in public, in political life and discourse than at any other time in our history. It's just a strange but true uh, fact. And uh, enrolment of children in religious schools has gone up. So somehow the, the, the churches we don't send our kids to, we're happy to send uh, to the schools that those churches run. And I think more importantly in terms of our grasp of the moment we're in as we plant our churches and disciple our people is that it has not been gently dropping away since 1901. It's not the case that Darwin wrote Origin of Species in 1850, whatever, and then just from then it's been slowly two by two, four by four, we've just been kind of slowly bailing. That's not the case. In fact, what has happened is from 1901 to the war, uh, the, the, the figures that you look at are all pretty kind of constant, bit up, bit down, away they go. After the war, so after 1945 to 1963, you actually have in the 50s this kind of quite vibrant age where, where, where the churches and the indices and the churches are kind of quite good and the churches seem to be growing. I think uh, it's probably better to understand the 1959 Billy Graham crusade, which is a crucial moment in our religious history, I think it's better understood as the culmination of a strong decade rather than the instigator of a mini-revival. It came at the end of strength. It didn't instigate uh, a new era in that way. And the moment of decline doesn't begin with the origin of species or anything like that. It, it begins actually in 1963. And weirdly enough, not 1962 or 1964, but 1963, kind of quite weirdly firmly. Uh, so that's the second thing. The third thing to understand our secular age is to know that it's international. So what happened in Australia in the 1960s, particularly around 1963, also happened in Canada, in uh, the UK and in New Zealand. Now, the reason you need to grasp that is for an important principle in our understanding, which is you can't explain a universal with a particular. You can't explain a universal with a particular. Whatever it was that happened also happened in those places, so it can't just be something that happened here. Make sense? Uh, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, there was a movement in Australian leadership to say that the problem was that we had failed 
to indigenize the faith, we'd failed to make it truly Australian. And so people wrote and thought about this and said that Christianity has, is like a foreign plant that is yet to take root in Australian soil. And people did hard work on trying to find the vernacular that would make the faith genuinely Australian. Now, whatever that was worthwhile, perhaps some of you remember that, so uh, Mal Garvin and John Smith, and uh, there's a whole movement around that, an important part of our history, an important part of the history of Christians in Australia. But whatever you make of the strength or weakness of that, it's not possible that that was the problem. Because it was also happening in Canada, also happening in the UK, also happening in New Zealand at about the same time and at about the same rate. So whatever was happening was happening elsewhere. You imagine the guy at the uh, Civic DVD in Albany thinking, I don't know what's happening in Albany. What is it about Albany and DVDs? (laughs) (laughs) This town's changed. And you want to say, guy, just pan the camera back a bit. (laughs) Number four. Uh, Secularization, our secular age, it, it goes deep. So this is where someone like Charles Taylor and his book, A Secular Age, is enormously helpful if you can make it through. Taylor, uh, a Catholic philosopher, traces the, the, the intellectual history of how we came to our moment, of how it's possible that a deeply religious civilization, Western civilization, became a secular age. And it's a hugely important book if you can kind of uh, stomach it, to understand how it was, the threads that led us here. And one of the things I think Taylor really helps us with is to show that even our secular age even changes belief for believers. So that in, in 1517, let's say, the year of the Reformation, uh, there were people who believed the Apostles' Creed, and here I take it you all believe in the Apostles' Creed, believe those things are true. They had the same content but the experience of believing the, the Apostles' Creed in 1517 is very different from the experience of believing the Apostles' Creed today. Because among other things, you're constantly deciding. You're constantly opting in. You're constantly thinking, I now believe this at the ever-present possibility of unbelief. And the possibility of unbelief shapes the experience of belief even for believers. I think that helps to explain some of what we face in our secular age. So I want to say that secularization is deep. And I also want to say, and I think this is equally important, it's also shallow. It's deep and Taylor does important work for us and other people have kind of traced it back. And some people go as far as the uh, 19th century and the Victorians and some people go to the Enlightenment and some people go to the unintended consequences of the Reformation. Maybe that's what did it. Uh, Some people like uh, John Milbank and Pope Benedict go right back to William of Ockham and say it was his fault. And uh, all these kind of intellectual histories say that someone put something in the water there and we're, we're reaping the whirlwind, to mix the metaphor, down here. And I think there's important work to be done in that space, but I also want to report to you in this interim report on secularization, I also want to report to you that there's evidence that our moment is quite sudden. So someone like uh, Callum Brown would say that actually the moment that you and I are in this secular age, it began like about 1963, and it has to do with cars and patterns of the way men and women go into the workplace and to do with the pill. And there are these changes that happened very quickly and led to a precipitous decline rather than a gentle decline. And in fact, uh, the, the, group I, the people I think about with this of sudden decline is the Beatles. So you think about the Beatles, that the Beatles begin with, I want to hold your hand. 
and they're wearing the suits, they look smart, and, this, and they're there, and I want to hold your hand. And then at the end of their career, it's the Kafkans, and it's, it's, why don't we do it in the road? And you think, how did they get from, I want to hold your hand, to why don't we do it in the road? And I would have thought that I want to hold your hand was kind of early 50s, you know, black and white, there they are, all smart, and, and you know, uh, why don't we do it in the road? It's got to be like 1970s when we all went feral, uh, or whatever. Beddle's 1963 to 1969. Just kind of creep over actually into 1970. But that happens quickly. That's seven years from I want to hold your hand to why don't we do it in the road. And I think our moment is quite a sudden moment. Another way that kind of more sociologically inclined people and social historians note this is we panic and look at our churches and say, oh my goodness, where is everyone? What happened to these churches? And social historians stand back and say, hey, Let's ask another question. What's happened to volunteer organisations since 1963? And, and then it turns out that volunteer organisations have declined at almost the same rate from almost the same time as the churches. And so sociologists would say to us, maybe the question is, what happens when the state expands and when the market expands like two balloons that take up all the space in society and get bigger and bigger and bigger so that almost everything you're involved in is either run by the state, which ultimately uses coercion, or the market, which ultimately uses profit. And there's almost no space left for this third thing that people call the mediating institutions where people get together and do stuff neither for profit nor because of coercion. And it could be, say, social historians, that we've been squeezed in that space. That make sense? So deep, and I also want to say shallow. Now, this is an interim report, and uh, I'm involved in this kind of project that I hope will come to a kind of more definitive or uh, cogent uh, conclusion at the end. But one thing I do want to leave you with is that as we make sense of secularisation, I think the most most successful aspect of modern secularisation, of the modern secular mind has been its ability to present itself as kind of common sense. That, that to be a Christian is to be something that you have to opt into, and it's difficult to opt into, and it's difficult to believe. But to be secular is just what happens when you get a vacuum cleaner and vacuum up religion from Western culture. And that story is the story that's been told to us by secularists, and that really just absolutely is not true. That's a story, and it's a story every bit as metaphysical and every bit as eschatological as the Christian story. I want to show you one more picture before we uh, finish. I've got a picture here from the, in the 2011 census. You can't quite see that. Uh, in the 2011 census, the, there's the option, no, no religion. If the sign said, not religious, question mark, that would just be a public service announce, announcement, right? But it says, not religious anymore. That's not a public service announcement. That's a story. A story about where we've come from and where we're going and what happens to our society when you vacuum up all the crazy of the Christian faith. And I want to say, as we declare the gospel, as we hold out the word of life to our generation, you have a story that is better and truer, better grounded in actual metaphysics, better grounded in an eschatology that we have reason to believe is true because a man was raised from the dead and a story that will give hope and life. Do not buy the lie of secularisation and the secular mind that this is a non-storied world. This is every bit as storied and contingent 
And it's into that context that we declare the word of life. Thank you.